Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Hello, welcome to Bible Interact Presents. I'm Christy Anderson. Today we're going to start a series of teachings on how to study the scriptures. And basically what we want to do is get in and understand what it takes to study the scriptures in an effective way so that you are confident in the meaning that you derive from the text and you don't have to question, well, I'm not sure or this or that. Uh, but basically what we want to understand is a large range of things that we need to consider so that we are confident that our meaning, the meaning we've discovered is actually the truth that we can walk in. Because if we don't, if we have a false meaning, then we're going to have a false application. And all of us want to do, you know, what the Lord says. We want to follow the Lord and we want to be obedient. And if we're coming to different conclusions about what that looks like, or what that means, then we're going to have um, different applications, and then we're going to have fighting and conflict, and so on and so forth. Um, either that, or you know, because you're not going to be able to stop all the fighting, obviously, because we don't fight against uh, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, as Paul says, that uh, there's always going to be the seed of Messiah that is going to be warring against the seed of Hasatan or the enemy. And so we're not really going to be able to always escape that. However, in order to be confident and understand where we're walking and why we're doing what we're doing and why we're living the way that we're living, it's important to understand how to validate your own beliefs and how to defend your own faith and the reason for the hope that's in you, as Paul says. So... I wanted to dive in and we're going to just see how far we can get today. We only have 25 minutes, so you can't get too far too fast, but we'll plug along here each uh, session and see how far we can go. Uh, what I'm going to be teaching from is a book I wrote called Study Foundations, the top 10 things you need to know to study the scriptures effectively. And essentially, it's exactly that. Um, I'm covering 10 broad uh, I, things and ideas that are going to affect how we interpret the scriptures and how we understand the text and how we study it and how we dive in. Um, to give you an idea, the top 10 are, first we're going to look, and today we'll begin to do this, we're going to look at meaning. What do we say when we talk about meaning. We're going to see there's different aspects to meaning, and it's important to understand the distinctions. Even though they're somewhat overlapping at times, we're going to need to understand the differences, and it will make a difference because the singular word meaning, um, depending on which aspect we're talking about, can mean different things. Number two is how languages function. So we'll look at meaning as opposed to significance. Uh, number three is going to be presuppositions. 
And we're going to look at that, number four being pre-understandings. And we'll see there's a distinction there. And uh, un within pre-understandings, uh, we will look at, at other issues. But suffice to say, presuppositions and pre-understandings kind of go hand in hand. But there is a distinction that we're going to make for purposes of clarity. Uh, I've distinguished them. You could call a pre-understanding a presupposition as well. However, I've made the distinction just so there's we're a little more clear, and that will become clear as we go along. Uh, we also need to look at genres. Um, that's going to be important, the different genres. Not as exciting a topic, but necessary nonetheless. We also will look at number six. We'll be looking and asking, I'm sorry, asking good questions. Not looking, but asking for good questions of the text. And so we'll be looking at what should we be looking for when we look and study at the sentence level, the paragraph level, the book level. Um, we will also look at and cross the bridge from meaning. What did the author mean? Um, and and we'll see the different aspects of meaning, how even what did the Lord mean through the author and so forth, um, as well as crossing that bridge now to significance. What does that mean for our lives today and making personal application? How do we do that appropriately? And then seven, we're going to look at research tools, um, looking at history and using resources, textual variants, English translations, and the problems there are, uh, you know, what's the best and so forth, um, as well as word studies. Then we're going to look at number eight, thinking differently, uh, looking at the difference in thinking from maybe an Eastern Hebraic point of view versus uh, our modern, more Greek context. And we won't get into that, but we will look at how that relates to interpretation in particular. Number nine, we'll look at the history of interpretation and uh, get a quick overview of, you know, kind of how did we get to where we are today with regard to interpretation? What happened? And who was responsible for us going down that path? And finally, 10, we're going to look at interpreting symbolism. Uh, there's not a whole lot of, uh, well, symbolism can get real, um, it can get real loose to the point that you could make anything say anything. So are there rules to interpreting symbolism? And we'll see that um, at least within uh, Jewish interpretive principles, we're going to draw on for that particular um, topic as there's not much within Christian um, studying of scripture uh, to draw from on that particular topic. So that is the top 10 and we will get going here and the first element that we're going to really look at and actually before I do that let me give you a little bit of a quick background, a, a quick introduction here um, just briefly because I know we have limited time, so I'm going to want to get you through at least the first couple aspects of meaning. But when we're looking at interpretation, and we're talking about hermeneutics in the modern Christian way of speaking, um, nothing paganistic about the word hermeneutics in itself in the common modern sense of how the word is used. Um, you know, we could talk about the origins or whatever, but uh, when I say hermeneutics, all I'm talking about is you know, the process and the rules by which we interpret scripture. Now, through Bible Interact, we're not using uh, a hermeneutic that's necessarily um, anti-Christian, but we are using a more um, 
ancient method of applying the rules of interpretation or hermeneutics to the text. So that therein lies a, a small distinction. And what do I mean by that? Well, basically, we're still using linguistics. We're still using modern tools and language tools and Bible software um, in that sense. But when we're talking about approaching the text, we're also considering more of the ancient methods of approaching in the sense of focusing on how the text was heard and how it was delivered in that oral sense and um, other aspects of the language that um, sometimes is overlooked in Christian hermeneutics. Um, so we're going to be marrying both of those worlds, but we're going to be taking the best from both. And, um, and, and as we proceed, you'll see that it's going to greatly enhance your ability to interpret the scriptures. Now, in the first place, well, the only valid reason to study hermeneutics in, in the first place is to find the true meaning of the words of Scripture in order that we might know with certainty we have understood the heart of God, expressing itself in love and in his loving instructions to us in the text so that we can apply specific directions that he gave us to our lives today. That's the whole point of trying to understand what the words mean is so that we can know how to walk in them. Now, while we cannot walk in something that we don't yet know, we also cannot truly know the things of the Lord until we learn how to find the right path to walk. Ultimately, our goal is to know and understand the truth in order to walk in that truth. And that should be our real focus. And in so doing, we're going to proclaim the gospel or that good news of Messiah throughout every aspect and area of our lives. Everything uh, that we do will scream and shout the gospel even before we even open our mouth. Now, respected Bible scholar and teacher Tim Hegg, in one of his audio teachings on interpreting the Bible and introduction to hermeneutics, said with regard to the search for biblical meaning, that meaning comes through study. Proper application comes through the gift of the Spirit. So let me say that again. Meaning comes through study. That means we're going to have to do some homework. We're going to have to work hard. Um, nothing of value is ever gained without hard work. You can apply that anywhere around the world uh, to any kind of thing, whether it's, you know, let's say sports or um you know, success in life in any area, whether it's your job or whatever, anything, it requires work. And in when it comes to interpret, interpreting the Bible, in order to find the meaning, unfortunately, because we are we can't ask the original authors what they meant and get clarification, meaning is going to only come through study. But we can do that. And we can take the time to do that. And, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We don't have to know everything right now. You are where God has you at this moment in time. And wherever that is, is exactly where he knew you would be. And so, you know, as you begin to walk and take baby steps, he'll show you the next step. And you need to then step in that next step. But don't feel that, you know, someone over to your right or to your left that's, ahead of you or behind you or whatever um, is going to affect where God has you. So wherever God has you, that's fine. And it's exactly where you need to be. 
knowing that we're going to continue to walk forward as we discover the meaning that he has for our lives that are going to impact not only our lives, but everyone that we come in contact with. So meaning comes through study, but proper application, applying it to our lives, that meaning comes through the gift of the spirit. So we're going to see the significance of that, and we're going to get into that probably not in this lesson today, but down the road. But that's going to be a foundational point, the difference between meaning and application there that um, Tim Hegg notes, and we're going to need to grasp that. Second only to that, in the study of meaning and trying to find, you know, an, an exegesis and so forth, is to understand this presupposition that words do not have meaning Meaning has words. Words do not have meaning. Meaning has words. So if you think about that, what are we saying? Well, you know, you could explain it in this way. Um, It may not be the perfect way, but you'll get the idea. Truth or meaning that we are seeking exists it's always existed in the mind and the heart of god if you will and so that truth is expressed through words through human language that's the way that we were designed to communicate and god designed that we would communicate with each other and communicate with him and so he's given us truth through the spoken word and so uh when it comes to scripture in particular uh, that truth is used by and given through a language. Now, God will say that truth over and over and over again in different forms in different ways. And we'll see as the book of Hebrews notes that um, that the Lord did that and it culminated in the body of Messiah. And so that truth became manifest in him. And we see this thread and we'll see that truth words do not have meaning but i'm sorry meaning words uh do not have truth or meaning meaning the truth has words and so uh as we dive into it we won't say that uh, well this word means this okay well this word was used in this context in this culture in this way to convey this meaning that's what we're going to see a little distinction So we have to weed through history, weed through how the dynamic of language, how it's constantly changing. Uh, For example, if I said, uh, that car is bad in the 1920s, and I say it, that car is bad in, you know, let's see, 1995 or something like that, then those two sentences, depending on how I did my voice inflection, uh, would mean totally opposite things. In the one case, it would mean something not good back in the 1920s, but in the 1995 or so, let's say, uh, that's a bad car in the way that I inflected my voice, then that would uh, make it a really cool car. So depending on, uh, you know, what was going on uh, in the context, history, You see how these things can impact meaning. And if we just saw that car is bad, we could come to two very different conclusions, only one of which is going to be truth. So let's continue and we will move on to the first. Oh, by the way, 
with these two ice-breaking ideas, before I, I move on, uh, we want to keep in mind, as we dive into the study, remember, until as students of the Bible can agree, until we can agree on and understand the proper meaning of the text, we're never going to get the same application or a proper application. So, thankfully, God's Word is clothed in common language that everyone can understand. And that's that's what's so amazing is that God has allowed us to have this vehicle to understand his truth. Consequently, the only difference between interpreting 21st century modern American English and the Bible is the context in which the exegesis is going to be applied. Exegesis itself is really just a fancy word for interpretation, and it implies that the explanation of the text has involved careful, detailed analysis. So teaching students of the Bible how to do careful, detailed analysis is exactly what not only my book and, uh, and Ford has written ministries in general, but also with Bible Interact uh, that I'm proud to be a part of. That is our, our real sole goal is to empower pe- people and, and seekers of the truth to, and particular believers, to uh, come to the text and know how to do careful, detailed analysis and interact with God and have this dynamic interaction with God, with the Word of God that is impacting their life and guiding them uh, each step of the way. So that is really our goal. As we turn now to chapter 1, and we're going to dive into this idea of meaning. And there are many aspects to meaning. If you, for example, if you picked up a newspaper, you're going to understand the meaning of the text in different ways based on which section of the paper you're reading. Are you reading the sports section? Are you reading the headlines? Are you reading the obituaries? Are you reading the funnies? All of those different sections of of the newspaper are going to have a different genre And they're going to have different ways they use idioms and different ways they use language. And in different contexts, the way they say things, if you uh, stole an idiom from one section to another, it may not play out and have the same meaning and could confuse people uh, or be rather funny at times. So uh, we're going to see that there's going to be these different aspects to meaning that are going to impact how things, what things mean based on their context and other Um, issues. To begin with, uh, as we discuss meaning itself, what does it mean when we say meaning? Believe it or not, there's several aspects to the term, and we're going to look at four of them. The first is the referent. Meaning is a referent. The second is meaning as sense. Meaning is intention and meaning as significance. We're probably only going to get to one or two right now. We're tracking it about Uh, 19 minutes, so we only have about five minutes left, but let's see how far we can get. Now, meaning as a referent. This is probably one of the most important aspects of meaning, uh, most critical for understanding what a text means in general, Uh, at least from the historical, grammatical, as well as the literary, and when we apply all of the layers, and I'm going to talk about this as we go along, There's various layers um, and aspects and ways you're going to look at the text to make sure that uh, all of them align so that you're getting a meaning that's uh, 
consistent with not only history, the form of the writing, the sound of the writing, um, the different elements of context, and so forth, um, idioms and, and whatnot. So referent, that is the first and most important step in discovering the meaning of the biblical text to make sure that we find and understand the referent. The problem is that it, it is possible to know the meaning of words and even understand um, every single individual word used in a sentence and still not have a clue about what is being said. For example, consider the following line from Shakespeare's Othello. In this scene, the Duke of Venice and some senators are discussing recent news uh, regarding a Turkish fleet but there's considerable discrepancy regarding the number of galleys involved. The Duke then says, I do not so secure me in the air, but the main article I do approve in fearful sense. What may baffle us about a passage such as this is that one, uh, in this one in, in particular, is that all the words are familiar to us. I mean, we could sit there and analyze each individual word and look it up in a lexicon and we would know what those words mean. Indeed, even the meaning of those words approximate the modern usage. Yet the total meaning seems to completely escape us. Unless we are familiar with Shakespearean literature, it may take us a while to interpret this statement correctly. In modern prose, it would mean, the fact that there's a discrepancy in the accounts gives me no sense of security. It is with alarm that I must give credence to the main point of the story. If you're still scratching your head, don't worry. I think that Shakespeare is much harder than interpreting the Bible. So don't fear, but it gives you that idea that just studying a particular word or a nuance in a word does not necessarily mean, even if you understand every single word, that you're going to grasp the meaning that the author or the person speaking was trying to convey. Now, what we learn from this example is simply this. To understand the meaning with regard to referent, is to understand the object, event, or process in the world that a word or a whole expression is directed. So what is something referring to, in other words? What is its referent? A biblical example of this process can be seen in the case of the Ethiopian in Acts 8:34, who sought to understand the referent of the passage in Isaiah 53 when he asked, Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Clearly, the Ethiopian is trying to determine the referent of the passage. What we'll see is that there could be a referent that Isaiah was intending and or a referent that uh, is a significance or application of that meaning. And, and we'll see some differences there and, and reasons why we can have multiple applications of a singular meaning and so forth. That should just wet your whistle. I want you to... Um, uh, remember then or focus on next time you're reading, make sure you understand what is the referent. What is something referring? There's a lot of times when there's many pronouns used, like he was giving it to him and they went to his house and he couldn't give him the other thing that he had. I mean, you could have 50 million pronouns like that and all of a sudden you're scratching your head, who is being referred to here? So it's important that we really distinguish and, and you can make little notes in every verse. Start practicing this. Make your, all your pronouns, make a little you know, uh, note on the side in your Bible if you have a margin or whatnot or you can um, squeeze it in. Make sure you know who all the pronouns and all the it's, they's, and them's and 
and he and his and her, who are these referring to? And then other um, uh, vagaries like I think Paul in Galatians says this this one, and it's a very significant sentence, and he says uh, this one, but you're you're scratching your head if you don't really dig into the context, what this one is he talking about? So referent is very, very important. So if you take one thing away today, really focus next time you study on what is this passage referring to, who throughout each part of the sentence is some is the context referring to um, who is being referred to. Uh, again, that's all the time we have for today. And I hope you'll join me again in our next session as we dive into meaning as sense and the divine inner uh, meaning as well as the author's meaning. And finally, meaning is significance. So we will uh, see you next time. Again, you can get my book on this topic, Study Foundations, the top 10 things you need to know to study the scriptures effectively at foritiswritten.com. Again, that's foritiswritten.com. Thank you, and I hope you have a blessed day.